falls in Durham, but I don't think you guys should be just worried yet. But there are some concerning signs. Let's go over those. But let's also talk about the key stretch here in the macro view. It's all coming up today on this episode of Locked on Pit. You are Locked on Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast, everybody. As always, I am your host, Nick Faribaugh. And today we got some pit basketball to talk about. Certainly, uh, this pit lost to Duke, man. Two losses in a row now for this pit Panthers basketball team heading in the wrong direction. But is it really that worrying? And I think that this is a question that's tough to answer, but I think has a clear answer. They lose by one to Clemson at home. They lose by eight to Duke on the road after they led by 11 and halftime. That part, I think, is the most concerning part. Not the fact that they lost by one to maybe the best team in the ACC in Clemson, who looks really good. That's a legitimate game they probably should have won. Um, you look back at that, they had a lot of chances in terms of coming back in that game, even when they finally kind of let Clemson back in. Uh, they, they had chances to win that game. Certainly the missed oop there to Federico uh, from L.A. Cummings is a big one of those. Um, but in, in this Duke game, too. I had chances. Um, it, they just could not buy a bucket in that second half. It, it really was awful uh, to see them in that second half just try to manufacture anything. I mean, two assists the entire second half, and Jamaris Burton had six overall. The rest of the team had three overall. And this is kind of where, for me, it comes into play. What went wrong in Durham? And there's a lot of things. First of all, they got out-rebounded 51-28. to That's the one thing. And not every team is going to have seven-footers that can stretch the floor and, and have all this length and size. That's not going to be a formula that every team can use. And Pitt's even gone up against teams with size and has kind of gone toe-to-toe with them on the boards. This is really the first time they've been systematically absolutely demolished on the boards. Um, but you also look... At Duke, right, 24 offensive rebounds. I mean, that's just not sustainable for any team uh, that's going on the road to win, uh, straight up. I mean, Pitt cannot let Duke get 24 offensive boards, but I don't think that's the biggest reason they won this game. Yes, the 19 second chance opportunities, uh, that that stings, right? But Pitt got nine offensive boards of their 28 rebounds, too. Pitt was able to kind of get multiple uh, scoring chances off there offensive boards um and and more importantly uh, i think the biggest thing that comes to me is that Duke never really shot the ball well um in this game they got to the line a lot and i think that hurt pit um you could talk about the refereeing all you want but i'm not going to talk about that on today's episode because i want to look at tangible things that can be within pit's control um and i think there are things i think that rebounding is is one of them they shouldn't have been beat this bad i you have seven footers like Kyle Filipowski, uh, Young, you have Lively. You have all these guys that are big and can move and stretch out, but you probably shouldn't have gotten beaten that bad. But no team has those five-star pedigree big men like Duke does in the conference. So this could, I mean, arguably, you look at the front courts, they're going to face the rest of the way 
it's not nearly as challenging as UVA, UNC, Clemson, and Duke. Duke and Clemson having very specific type of matchups that they can exploit against Pitt on the interior. Um, so I think that in particular makes you feel better about where Pitt is, at least right now. Um, but you also look at this Pitt team in terms of their offense, and that's where I think they lose this game. I think they could have won this game, boards and all, if their offense wasn't so stagnant. And, and this was this looked about as bad as they have since that VCU game back in Brooklyn. Uh, I, I think it's probably the worst half since that second half against Michigan. Uh, two. Well, maybe Alabama State, but you could throw in a few of them there and say, you know, they've had halves where they've really dunced. I'm not sure if they've looked quite like this, but this harkens back to some of those bad halves that they have really had um, over even this stretch, right? First half against uh, UNC. Um, you, you look at the first half against UVA. Those weren't good halves for Pitt. First half against William and Mary. That certainly that first half against Alabama State. Uh, there are a number of those where you could point to them being kind of underwhelming. But the one thing I look to is nine assists, as I mentioned earlier, six from Jamari's Burton, zero from Nellie Cummings. And I talk about this a lot about how important Nellie Cummings is to this team. Really, as he goes. They go. Um, it, it really is kind of crazy when you look at Nellie Cummings and his productivity and Pitt's productivity because he is largely the reason why the Pitt offense can do multiple things because they, they have two ball handlers, and especially when he's shooting the ball well, he is dangerous um, and can become very hard to stop uh, when he gets going. But four turnovers in this game, high number that he's had since Syracuse. I mean, he has played a really good stretch here from North Carolina to Clemson. And it just hasn't shown up, um, especially in those UNC Virginia games, seven assists in the UNC game, eight in the Virginia game. He was cooking. Um, he only had nine nine points and six points, but he was great there. Um, he, he only had a combined one turnover in this, in those three games with North Carolina, Virginia, Clemson that had four against Duke. And I think that was the biggest thing. And then, yeah, sure, he had three against uh, he had he had three against Syracuse, but he scored twenty two. He was he was lightning from outside, six of eleven from downtown in that game. So that's where he made up his his kind of bread there. Uh, so this was just not a good game for Nelly Cummings. And really, you look at the assist numbers and kind of where it goes uh, for Nelly Cummings. Usually, when he hits the six or seven mark, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, they're at least competitive in just about every game where he gets as many as five. The only game where they haven't really been competitive where he got five assists was Michigan, but you could throw that one out of the water, right? Everyone was bad in that game. Um, so you look at Pitt, like kind of roll as he rolls, and they didn't really utilize his speed enough uh, off the, the screen and the switches. Um, so I think this is one time where Jeff Capel has to take a step back and look and say, okay, what's my team do well? Well, how are, my, how, are, how are teams playing my team? Because they are playing them much differently now. And how do we objectively, objectively change that trend? Because Pitts 100% got a formula that's out there, that's on tape, 
and now teams are starting to play them differently. They 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 play more on the outside. They box you out, and they're not going to let Pitt shoot as much. They're not going to be surprised that Pitt can shoot the three anymore. They know they can shoot the three if they aren't on it. And I think the more important thing within that context is the fact that Pitt is going to have an issue driving and getting clear drives and, and kickouts if they don't start matching these switches that, that these teams are doing off of their, their screen game. I mean, it really is kind of the thing that, that they're doing. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. When you look at it, Duke was switching a lot, and, and they should have had a screen with some rolls and, and some post-ups in the intermediate game for JB and Burton and, and Henson and, and all these guys, but they never did that. They've never given Henson a low-block touch. They never did give Henson a low-block touch to check that out. I, th- I thought this was Jeff Capel's first game in ACC play where I could really point to his coaching and say, they lost partially because of Jeff Cable. And so I need him to go to the tape this week and say, okay, we need to change this because other teams are going to play you there. I don't think that it's necessarily going to be replicable overall, but teams with length like Florida State and Wake Forest and those teams are going to try and run that on you. And so Pitt's going to have to kind of bring that to the table and understand how to fix it. But let's talk about something else I really want to talk about because I think it's becoming more and more obvious in the guard play. But first of all, folks, want to let you know about Bet Online because, folks, Bet Online has the props, odds, numbers, and the analysis that you could want anywhere. It's the number one source for all that sports betting info you could want. Folks, get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. That could be from pro to football to college basketball to the to so much more overall, folks, they've got it all on betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you could find those at BetOnline as well. Folks, they're the easiest and fastest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about trends and the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, everybody, let's talk about this pit guard rotation. I talked about how important Nelly Cummings was. And kind of what Pitt can do, in my opinion, to, to start to really get that team-oriented basketball back into their DNA after a bad half, right? Because they played too much iso ball in the in the second half. And even in the first half, really. I mean, they were making a lot of good shots. But it was iso ball, and it really wasn't a offense that was working as a team. It looked like, as a unit, they were kind of falling apart and it didn't really come together like they should have. So there are ways to fix that. But I also look at the guard rotation right now. And I think it's flipped. I think they have it wrong um, with Nike Sabandi not starting. Nike Sabandi should start against Georgia tech. He's given them quality minutes every time he's out there. And thus far in the past few games, Greg Elliott has it, and that's really been the biggest thing. When Elliott isn't going offensively, he's not a super big net positive. Now, he can definitely be that, especially when he's shooting, and on those nights you play him. You play him a lot because Greg Elliott can shoot the lights out of the ball, but he hasn't really done that in recent games, right? You look at it, three or four against Clemson, he was decent against Clemson, but one of five against UNC, one of seven against Virginia, one of four against Duke. And so when teams are going to box out more, 
and try to play him deep, man, he's in trouble. And he can't create a super ton outside of just kind of taking that pump and, and dribbling it in and, and putting up a floater or a crafty layup. And so he's not going to create off the dribble. But Nike Sabandi will. And that's been the biggest thing for me about Nike Sabandi. He has been able to create in all different types of situations. And he's the only guy on this team that can legitimately create a three ball off the dribble and attack one-on-one when you need him to. And that's rare. He's so explosive as an athlete. And so Nike Sabandi recently has really shot the three ball well, too. Uh, You look at it, and that has been very nice to see. Five of 12 over the last three games for Nike Sabandi from downtown. You like that. Scored 16 against Virginia, 11 against Duke. Gave him quality minutes against Clemson. He plays good team defense. He's athletic. He hustles. He rebounds well. I think right now he just offers more creativity, more flow to the offense than a Greg Elliott does uh, right now. But you can switch those guys as they play. But I think Sabandi should be the one to start. I really do. Greg Elliott is that shooter, but Nike Sabandi is a good rebounder. He's versatile. He can play one through three, and he can do a lot more off the dribble with his athleticism. Straight up, he's just shooting it better, too. He's feeling that kind of stroke. And here's my biggest stat that I'll pull for you. You look in ACC play over these six games. Greg Elliott on the air shooting 39% from downtown. 38.5% to be specific. We're on that up. That's 39. He's only shooting 28% in conference of play. Folks, that's not good enough for Greg Elliott with how he is supposed to be with his shooting. That has to be something that is fixed. Then you also look at Nike. 37% from downtown in conference play. Pitt needs to lean on Nike Sabandi more. Uh, in conference play until Greg Elliott gets the mojo back. He, he He's coming off a very hot uh, streak, really, from that Syracuse game, at least the Vanderbilt game through that Syracuse game where he was shooting lights out. And you could even throw in going all the way back to the start of that stretch in Northwestern. Um, so he was shooting the lights out of the ball there, but now he's cooling down, and it's a hard reversion. And so I think that needs to change. I think they need to get some game going on the low block. You have to get some inside presence of note. Can Fede Federico do it? We haven't seen him do it. I'm not sure he can have a play run for him where they get it down the low block. Now, this is where a guy like John Hughley would come in, right? But we don't really know what's going on with Hughley. We don't know when he's going to come back. So hope all is good with John Hughley. But Guillermo Diaz-Graham really isn't a guy that can play down low like that. So the only guy that you can really get a post touch to on the low block and say, Go is Blake Henson, and I think they need to do that. And Henson also has been a guy that hasn't necessarily played super well over the last two games. I don't know if it's fatigue, but he's missing some free throws. Um, he, he just looks a little bit more out of it, right? And, and there's a lot of guys that didn't have a great game here. Jamaris Burton didn't really have his best game 16 points, 7 to 17 from the field, but you know, the six turnovers. Uh, the five turnovers uh, for JB is not what you want, right? Nine turnovers from Nelly Cummings and JB combined. That's not what you want from your ball handlers. Uh, that, that hurt, and it kind of static the offense. And after that, I think they just got gun shy. Um, but I also don't think Jeff Keeble helped them by 
maybe not running the rest of kind of how you would run and get that ISO ball going, and then you could get the kick and drives off the switches. Um, so I really think that's big. Um, but you look at this. I mean, you look at this game, and it's a missed opportunity for Pitt because they really felt like they could win this game, but they kind of went back into old tendencies that we saw early in the year, and that can't happen. So we're going to see how mentally tough this team is. Everyone's already calling it a capable collapse. Well, it could be, but their schedule isn't hard. It isn't hard at the time of this. This was a hard stretch, and anyone, I think, would have taken two and two out of this stretch coming out of it. A lot of people thought maybe 0-4 or 1-3. Well, no, they're they're 2-2 two two out of this. They beat UVA, they beat UNC, they lost to Clemson, and they lost to Duke. That's fine. But how do they respond from this? I think that's going to be the biggest thing. Let's talk, though, about the next stretch because I think it's going to be very important to see what team Pitt is out of the next stretch. But first, folks, I'll let you know about – Built Bar, because if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, folks, then you gotta try a Built Bar, folks. We just got through the holidays, and your goal, my goal, it probably is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're like me, where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, you got something. Built Bar. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. And seriously, they're so delicious, you won't think that they're good for you, but it's perfect for your New Year's resolution, because it's covered in 100% real chocolate. It has so many flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond, and so much more with only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't need to wait around to get a box because, folks, you can open your own and order your own at Built.com. And now you can get them at Sam's Club, Walmart, and it's right to you. So, folks, if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter. And Shuro, you can thank me later. Make sure to check out Built Bar at BuiltBar.com. And if you have any of those convenience stores near you, make sure to buy a box now. All right, everybody. Let's talk about this next stretch. There is zero reason pitch should not be at least 3-1 and one out of this next stretch. You have Georgia Tech. That should be a win for Pitt. Straight up. That's Saturday at 3. If Pitt does not win this game, Pitt does not win this Georgia Tech game, there is something wrong. Georgia Tech is not a good team. I understand that they have done some impressive things, but they are not a good team. They are a team that is streaky from downtown. You cannot let them have their really good three-point shooting performance like they did against Miami, right? This Georgia Tech team isn't good. Got beat by 11 against Florida State. Pitt should win this game, but they could get caught in the trap. If they lose this game, then you could start ringing some alarm bells. But a good team will reset their mentality and get back after it. After a loss against Duke, that's what you would do as a good veteran team that maybe just suffered a loss, probably their worst loss in some time. You would get back after it. Pitt has to do that against Georgia Tech. Then they go to Louisville. Should be another easy win, period. Then Florida State comes to the peak. That should be a win. Florida State has more length, but that should be a win. Wake Forest at home. This is the game where they get another test, right? right? Wake Forest is a solid basketball team. Uh, they aren't a great team, but they are solidly fundamental. They are coached well. They shoot the ball decently well, and they have some length. So Pitt's going to have to deal with that, but that's a winnable game. 
Very winnable game. You're at home as well. That should be one. Pitt should probably win. So, quite honestly, this next stretch is going to tell you. That is what they are going to tell you. So, Pitt needs to go 3-1 and one in this stretch. It's reasonable to expect maybe one slip up, but... That slip up probably has to come against Wake because your net rating, your Ken Palm could be devastated by any of these losses. Um, and you look at Florida State, too, better than their record suggests, unique because of their length and size, but Pitt has to win that game to me. That's an important game for Pitt to win, mainly just because, you know, Florida State's not ranked well in any of those metrics I just named, and those are huge to getting into the NCAA tournament and even the NIT. So that's the question. But Pitt has the matchups, I think, against these teams to where they can do well. Um, but they have played their worst ACC game coming off it. So how does the team bounce back? And does Jeff Capel recognize the mistakes that he had? We understand what happened, right? We understand that Jeff Capel didn't make the necessary adjustments in that second half that he needed to. And he needed to make those adjustments to where he could get Jamari Spurton and Ellie Cummings on those big men and, and running off those screens and, and getting, you know, Fede Federico on the move or Guillermo Diaz Graham or even Blake Henson on the move. There were easy ways to do it, but Pitt just had played ISO sloppy basketball. And so there's a lot to be worried about in that regard, but can you adjust? I think you can. And so, Pitt, to me, needs to look at their strengths because they have it. They have a big-time strength in Jamarius Burton. They have a big-time strength in their outside shooting. Lead on that and let Nelly Cummings get going again by calming him down and getting him against advantageous matchups. And so I really look at this Pitt team as a good team that needs to bounce back. Maybe I'm wrong on that. We're going to learn about that on Sunday. They have to win that game, period. They have to win that game. That is a huge game against Georgia Tech on the road in Atlanta that they should win, but it's not going to be a hyped-up matchup. It's not going to be a you know one of these very sexy matchups that you look at. It's not Duke. It's not North Carolina. It's not a Virginia. It's not even that undefeated Clemson matchup. It's a bad team. Can you go out there and take care of business against a substandard opponent? This is really Pitt's first substandard ACC opponent outside of Q's, right? And that game could have gone haywire. Uh, that was a crazy game. But they beat a pretty solid North Carolina State team on the road, too. So Pitt's going to have to refocus. I would start Nike Sabanity in this game. And I would try and get Nelly Cummings calmed down, going along with Jamaris Burton, so it doesn't turn into iso ball and you're dribbling all over the court. Become efficient, become efficient off-ball movers like you have in the past, and I think Pitt can lead their way to a victory through that. All right, folks, thanks thanks for listening. As always, we're going to talk a little bit about Derek Davis and his commitment and the whippeal success of Pitt football in the portal thus far, but I also want to talk about some wide receiver targets because that will be big to watch coming in to the spring. As always, folks, thanks for listening. As always, hail to Pitt.